This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, November 16th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telluride elects Teddy Erico as mayor. Governments move to the starting line of gondola planning. San Miguel County extends moratorium on commercial solar and a mountain weather forecast. Teddy Erico will become Telluride's new mayor after a nail-biting election. On Thursday, the San Miguel County Clerk's Office counted 18 outstanding ballots from across the county, with eight in Telluride, resulting in a 10-vote difference between Erico and Mian Fee. Erico won the election with 44.56% of the vote, compared to Fee's 43.67. It's very humbling and it's flattering and, and, and you name it, that I was able to secure almost 500 votes to win the election. I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on me to deliver um, to our community um, and, and the hard work begins. Erico says he's excited to work with fellow council members and town staff to move the community and region forward. I think that there's a lot of issues at hand and a lot of tasks that need to be completed. And we all know affordable housing is one of the big ones. And then secondarily, I think that really creating government that works regionally for our community, because love it or hate it, we are a regional resort now. And I think that all of our problems from wastewater to the gondola to affordable housing to a medical center are regional issues. And all three governments and the largest employers are really going to have to roll up their sleeves and work together like they've never have before. We, we really need to get together. While Erico secured the most votes and will become mayor, with less than 50 percent, he didn't receive the majority of votes total. He asks that those who didn't vote for him to give him a chance. It's a big challenge to know that more people voted against me than for me. And and I understand the reasons why, um, as being kind of an outsider into local government. Um, the other elephant in the room is I sell real estate in Telluride, and for some people that's a polarizing uh, employment situation. But all I ask of everyone is to give me a chance. Um, if you know me personally, you know I work hard, and you know I love this community like no other, and I only want to see it prosper and be the best that it can be. So... I urge everyone to rally around not only me, but our government and each other, because for the context of Telluride, we can do great things here. Erico acknowledges there's a learning curve that comes with being mayor, but he's ready for the challenge. I'm excited for myself to just learn more about really what this community needs. I like to think I have a pretty good idea, but until you get out there, you just don't know. And why I encourage everyone to reach out to me or their favorite council person, their favorite town staff, and be heard. Because we're only as strong as our weakest local. And I know I've said that before, but it's the truth. And we all moved here or stayed here for pretty much the same reasons. And it's to enjoy a great community that has wonderful assets and recreation. And just, it's, you know, it's a college campus. This is college, you know, and you get to see everybody and really be part of something that's truly special. And we can't lose that. Fee will remain in her current seat on Telluride Town Council. Erica will be sworn in as mayor alongside new council members, Ashley Story and Ellen Eleven on Tuesday, November 28th. 
Planning on a new gondola system has taken a step forward. In my mind, it's neither a check the box or a milestone. It's getting to the starting line. That's Mountain Village Town Manager Paul Weiser. There's been a lot of conversation and a lot of talk for seven years. Um, and this is the point where we're actually going to start getting things done. Over the past several weeks, a number of regional entities the towns of Mountain Village and Telluride, San Miguel County, the Telluride Mountain Village Owners Association, the Telluride Ski Resort, and the San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation have all signed an intergovernmental agreement thinking about the future of the gondola. Currently, the transit system is owned and operated by Mountain Village and funded by the Telluride Mountain Village Owners Association. But in 2027, that funding and operation agreement will expire. At the same time, the gondola itself will need to be replaced. I think the community generally supports the idea that the gondola should remain a part of this community. And so for the last seven years, uh, the community has been having discussions about what happens on that day at the end of 2027 when this agreement goes away and we do need a new gondola. And so part of this discussion uh, in the IGA is about how does the community as a whole come together to continue to make the gondola a reality. Through those gondola conversations, SMART has stepped up in a larger capacity when it comes to planning and operations. Here's SMART Executive Director David Averill. Um, early last this year, the leadership committee, which is all of our elected officials, in the area of those member jurisdictions, um, recommended that we pursue a regional funding model for this thing in the future. And that logical regional funding model is the smart mechanism. That's why RTAs exist and we have the, the tools in the tool chest to, to do something like this. For Averill, the intergovernmental agreement is an exciting step in the process. There are elements of cost sharing in the agreement, but he says it moves the ball forward in two main ways. Sets us up for a potential ballot question in 2024. Um, there's some some elements of that agreement that talk about campaign services and polling and things like that. So we're getting ready to dip our toes in the water for that. And then um, the other piece of it is, I guess, probably more in the bucket of project development, um, bringing in some outside expertise to help us refine the costs on a potential new system, um, a grant strategy, a financing strategy, things of that nature. So um, I think it's pretty cool that it moves the ball in both of those conversations. Next steps when it comes to gondola planning include polling the community, outside experts coming in to discuss engineering, and federal grants to help fund the project. Funding is one of the big outstanding questions. Wiser again. There still needs to be consensus in terms of how we're actually going to pay for the nuts and bolts, literally, <laughs> of the project. Um, I think that we're going to go to the ballot and ask a question in 2024 about the operation and maintenance. Yep. Uh, so taxpayers will pay some sort of mix of tax uh, to pay for the operation of the facility. But the gondola doesn't come uh, for free, unfortunately. <laughs> and so we need to figure out how we're going to pay for it. Weiser says the TMVOA board has committed to paying $20 million for the project, but the rest of the to-be-determined cost will be up to other governments, the ski area, and grants to cover. When it comes to the current gondola, it's opening back up. The gondola will reopen for the winter season on Friday, November 17th. The San Miguel Board of County Commissioners has extended an emergency moratorium on commercial-scale solar and major utility projects in the county while it works to amend its land use code. 
Commissioners approved the six-month emergency moratorium earlier this year, which is set to expire next week. San Miguel County Planning Director Kay Simonson says the county has been working with consultants to update the land use code when it comes to potential utility projects, but they need more time. She spoke before the Board of County Commissioners this week. We have been working them with them on drafting uh, the um, uh, proposed regulations, so we have been making progress. Um, we also held a community meeting out in uh, Norwood back on October 10th um, that was well attended and got some good feedback from the community. Um, obviously, we're not ready yet to uh, bring uh, those regulations to you for adoption by the end of the moratorium. Um, so based on uh, the fact that we are making progress um, on this matter and moving as diligently as we can, we are asking for an extension to that moratorium. KOTO's Gavin McGough reported on the emergency moratorium when commissioners approved it for the first time at a special meeting this spring. With a rebroadcast of that story from May 2023, he takes it from here. County Attorney Amy Markwell explains why the commissioners gathered at short notice. We have anticipated a, an application coming in for a large solar project or other major utilities. And when the planning staff was reviewing the land use code, um, it it became apparent that we are um, we're, we're sort of um, lagging behind on having all of the appropriate provisions in the land use code that we need. When the land use code is unprepared for an anticipated project, the county commissioners can pass an emergency order preventing developers from submitting applications of a certain type. Markwell says similar orders, though rare, have been passed in recent memory. It's not um, unprecedented. We, The Board of County Commissioners needed to implement a moratorium when cell towers were first coming into the county years ago. And then when there were changes to the law regarding marijuana grow, we did the same thing. We had a moratorium in there just to be able to get in, um, you know, really get up to speed with our with our um, regulations. In this case, it's not cell towers or marijuana, which has the commissioner's attention, but solar energy. The emergency order being considered would temporarily prevent applications for commercial scale solar from being submitted. In the meantime, the county will evaluate its land use code to more directly address large scale utility and energy projects. Markwell explains the specific focus on solar. Our land use code has been sufficient for like the, the small sort of solar panel uses of land that we've already done. But this is the, the, this this um, pending project, if there is an application, is more of like on the larger scale commercial and solar battery storage and that kind of stuff. And so that's what this is, um, you know, targeted to. While commissioners and staff used general language in their roughly 15-minute discussion, it became clear a specific anticipated project had triggered the emergency moratorium. The utility company One Energy Renewables has recently proposed a 600-acre solar farm on Wrights Mesa outside of Norwood. During public comment, Norwood Mayor Candy Meehan speaks up in favor of the emergency order, with reference to the proposed solar project. Um, I feel as if Wrights Mason needs the opportunity to step back and ascertain the ecological, economical, and emotional impacts that a project of this size could could have on Wrights Mesa. Um, and I would hope that 
the three commissioners would vote to put in the temporary moratorium for six months. Wendy Brown, also making public comment, says she too is in favor of the county stepping back and reviewing its land use regulations. And we are not anti-solar by any means, but we're anti the factory aspect of this being done by someone who has never done a project of this size using us as their guinea pigs. And so we hope that regulations can be made clear so we know that we'll be safe. All three commissioners voted in favor of the emergency moratorium, buying the county six months to update its land use code in order to address large-scale utilities and solar projects. At its meeting this week, the Board of County Commissioners unanimously extended that moratorium for another six months, with the aim to have the land use code updated by summer 2024. It's time to get your gobble on. This weekend, the infamous Telluride Thanksgiving tradition returns with Turkey Bingo. Hosted by the Elks, the night of paint dots, yelling, beverages, and lots of turkey and ham is the perfect opportunity to get some of your Thanksgiving grocery shopping out of the way. Turkey Bingo will kick off with Kids Bingo on Saturday, November 18th from 3 to 5 p.m. Adult Turkey Bingo will follow with games at 6.30 and 9 p.m., On Sunday, November 19th, families are welcome back for Sunday Brunch Bingo. Brunch starts at 11 a.m., bingo starts at noon. All games take place at the Elks Lodge on Pacific Street. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says long-term federal spending will be a big part of bringing down water use on farms and ranches in the face of climate change. KONC's Alex Hager reports. Vilsack spoke at a water conference in Colorado where he announced more than a billion dollars in new funding for rural infrastructure projects. He says the USDA has a responsibility to help equip growers with tools and strategies to use water more efficiently. They need to be rewarded and acknowledged, and and as they do, their neighbors will see the benefits, and they too will, uh, will, will improve and increase their activities as well. Vilsack's announcement is part of the Biden administration's Investing in America agenda. Other federal agencies are spending big on Western water. The Bureau of Reclamation got $4 billion for Colorado River projects. I'm Alex Hager. Pikes Peak, near Colorado Springs, is an iconic American landmark. Dubbed America's Mountain, it attracts visitors from across the country, many of whom choose to summit the peak riding a historic train. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Ben Armandirez reports. The 14,115-foot mountain has incredible history, going back to Catherine Lee Bates, who was inspired to write America the Beautiful after her visit. The Cog Railway is the world's highest Cog Railway and carries passengers to the summit of Pikes Peak year-round, using three trains that carry up to 263 passengers per trip and four rail cars that carry up to 214 passengers. To learn more about the railway, I spoke with conductor Brian State. I'm a conductor here at the Cog Railway in Manitou Springs, Colorado. So what do you do here? What does your day-to-day kind of job look like? 
Well, I'm a conductor for the Cog Railway, so it's my job to make sure that we get up and down and following the guidelines to riding the trip up to Pikes Peak. But at the same time, I'm going to give them a history of the Cog Railway as well, just kind of make light things and show them landmarks and just kind of fill them in about the land and, and everything else about the history of the Cog Railway. Can you think of or give me one of the coolest things that comes to mind right away when you think of like the illustrious history of the Cog Railway here? Well, I'll tell you what, it was quite the visionary, Zama Simmons, who was the original uh, owner and founder of the Cog Railway, to invest $1.5 million into bringing passengers up to the top of Pikes Peak, just for the sole purpose of getting them to the peak so they could reach the summit. This is, happened in 1891 when the first uh, summit, uh, passenger train summit at the top of Pikes Peak um, just that visionary that they did was quite the vision. It must have been a super popular mountain that everybody wanted to hike up and get to the top of that they said, hey, we can make a buck if we could just bring passengers up on, on a train. But it's great. I mean, the history of the Cog Railway is just fascinating. I'm here from Colorado Springs, so I'm a native around these lands. Uh, so I get introduced to everybody to my Pike National Forest, which is my backyard, which I get to do. So I love it. So I'm just having a blast doing it. If you could think of or say your favorite part of this job, what do you think it would be? Interacting with the people. I think my favorite part of the whole uh, of the whole experience is actually going through the train at the very end and doing the question and answering, just because you get to meet all kinds of people from all over the world, and they're just intriguing. People are intriguing. Uh, what do you think maybe might have been the coolest thing you've seen going up and down in the four weeks you've been doing this? The coolest thing? I like, I, I, I've seen the Golden Eagle twice since I've been doing it for four weeks. I think that's been the coolest thing. Besides some of the flyovers, uh, we all have some of the fighter jets from the Air Force bases around here. Those are pretty cool because you can see them at eye level. I'm trying to catch one on, on, on my phone right now as a picture. That would be pretty cool. But the Golden Eagle by far is the most majestic animal and impressive thing I've seen up here. Although Brian has only been a conductor on the Pikes Peak Railway for four weeks, his passion for Colorado is easily apparent. So if you ever have the chance to ride the historic Cog Railway in Manitou Springs, be sure to bring a camera, your water bottle, a jacket, and be sure to say hello to Brian. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, this is Ben Armendariz. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 30 degrees. Friday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night. The high is near 50 degrees with a low around 30. Saturday, there's a 60% chance of snow showers with partly sunny skies and a high in the mid-40s. Saturday night, snow showers are likely with mostly cloudy skies and a low near freezing. This has been the news for Thursday, November 16th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.